Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 75, the first paragraph, When We Decide. Today's readers are Marietta P., Rebecca B., and readers of the text, Rachel W., Lisa H., and Deb W. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, July 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10192, and the 10 a.m. meeting is 10194. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps Sorry, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Marietta P. from Virginia. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so, do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass, and thank you. Thank you, Marietta P. And Rebecca B. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Rebecca B. from Boston, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, and have a great day. And thank you, Rebecca B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 75, the first paragraph, when we decide, through two paragraphs ending with the spirit of the universe and commenting on both periods. Today, we'll ask uh, Rachel W. to start reading for us. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. This is Rachel W., at the top of page 75. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approaching this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past, once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, the, the feel, but, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. And um, here we are in step five, and um, 
you know, I'm reminded that this program is about action because I'm wasting no time in getting getting to this step. And and the, just the idea that I, I'm I'm going to take action here. This is this is really proving that um, that I'm willing to move forward. You know, until I actually sit down and and give this away, my willingness is just a theory. It's not. It hasn't has hasn't really taken a lot of action in terms of like you know, a, a one-on-one with someone else. This is really showing my willingness. And um, it's also about ego deflation and, and going in and, and you know, ha- sometimes having that back and forth with another person can seem even harder than, than uh, you know, we don't want to admit it to people. We'd rather just have that quiet conversation with God. But when, once we take that action, we learn to trust. And I, when I, I know for myself, when I learn to trust another person, what I learned was compassion, and I found that compassion is perhaps compassion, perseverance are like the most important elements of this program. So here I am, you know, getting into this this program of discovery, finding out who I am. This is a major piece. You know, can I do this? Can I lean into this fellowship? Can I lean into someone else? And um, it's not about me becoming a nicer person. You know, this is a life and death errand. I'm reminded here, and. Um, you know, I can, I can take any, at any point we can take time to reflect on who we are, but I get nowhere if I keep all of that to myself. And because if I did, you know, at some point, the horror and the shock of, at the things I've done would dissipate or they'd become tempered. And then I'd, I'd be at that renowned attic place where I justify everything. So until I actually give this away, um, I'm not going to get anywhere. And I think some people do want to skip this step. I know I used to want to do this. Um, because thinking that something should never be shared. But, um, but you know what? I've been in this room long enough you know, to know that the things that I held back on in my original fourth steps, those are the things that I paid for later on. And, um, and it's true about being honored by people's confidences. I know that um, I, for, for me, I'm very honored when people share their process with me. And, um, but just the idea that, that my sponsor, you know, had someone else that listened to her and this, 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 this compassionate, you know, train keeps, keeps going. And, um, we, we take, you know, every dark cranny of the past is revealed withholding nothing. And that's why I'm delighted because I'm not withholding anything. And we always say, how free do I want to be? Well, the more I uncover, discard and get rid of, you know, the more I can enjoy this, this miracle of the program and, and and you know my relief doesn't come from reporting about what other people did to me you know it's about it's about confessing what I've done and and the willingness to become a better person become come out of that and um and yes I can be alone with myself feel feel the nearness of my creator not and with this it's like not because I not because my creator changed but because I changed because now I have more compassion for myself my process and now I have a fellowship to lean into um, and um, thank you so much for allowing me to share my pass. And thank you, Rachel W. We'll now open up the line for sharing. And uh, could I ask, please, that you just say your name? Gallery B. Help me get it down. Barbara E. Larry K. Tina S. Gallery B. Deb W. Okay, let's go with this lineup. Now, I did miss somebody. I've got Barbara E., Larry K., Tina S., Valerie B., and Deb W. There was someone else. No? Okay, let's start with that lineup. Barbara E., 
you're first, and followed by Larry Kay. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. I always hate being first uh, because it scares me, but I'm going to jump right into it. This is such an important step for me. I had to pocket my pride. I had to see, hear, and share my truth with another human being who then said to me, you know, I have many of the same character defects you do. And that made me so relieved. Someone who will listen without judgment. And I know I've tried in the past to do a solitary inventory. I didn't need to share it with another human being. I didn't need to humble or rather humiliate, that's what I thought at the time, myself by doing that. But I also realized that if I did it by myself, I would justify and end up giving myself an A++ I'd be blameless. Once I did it, I felt like I was taking rocks out of the buckets that I carried on my shoulders. I began to feel that I could, with God's help and the fellowship, affect a change in myself. I had seen myself as unlovable, not good enough, fearful of being abandoned. I had to discover the obstacles standing in my way and admit truly to God and to this other person the exact nature of my wrongs without spending a lot of time. I was given a limited amount of words to use and that made me really think about the significance and the importance of what I said. I am so glad I took step five. I trusted in God. I trusted in another human. Thank you so much, and I pass. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Barbara E. Larry K., it's your turn, and Tina S., you'll be next. Hi, Larry. We don't hear you. How about now? Is that better? Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to use a, an unpleasant metaphor for the fifth step, so my apologies in advance. Step five is like throwing up. You know, you've had food poisoning. And you can anticipate the inevitable, right? And point of fact, many of us will fight the inevitable, maybe out of a sense that we can avoid the pain associated with it, and and maybe we're not ready to throw up yet. You know, it's percolating. It's right there. But the truth is, once we simply, you know, let it happen, right on the other side of that, a few seconds of uncomfortability is relief. And it's like, you know, we live our whole life with our character defects right there. It's right there. It's ready to come out. And we spend more physical and emotional energy fighting it. And when you finally do throw up, it's not pleasant. No, it's not. It's not fun. But doing the fifth step is not pleasant. It's not always fun. But once you do it, you, you pick yourself off the floor, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, and you experience relief. And, and that's sort of what the back end of the fifth step is like. So this is about to be cast out. And this stuff that's been inside of me corroding my insides, I'm about to vomit up all that poison. And we've been warned 
that time after time, they've seen newcomers leave off stuff in their four-step inventory. And of course, thus, it, it never makes it to their fifth step, and they look for an easier, softer way, easy, easier methodology, right? And almost invariably, they get drunk. They fall into the chocolate river. Remember, this big book is not theoretical. It's experiential. They're, they're not telling you what they think. They're telling you what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they know to be true based on direct experience. You know, we leave something out at your own peril. The recovered state is real. So is the chocolate river. That's real, too. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry K. Tina S., it's your turn, and Valerie B., you'll be next. Thanks, Lynn, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow. You know, all my life I wanted to experience the, the stuff that talks about in the second paragraph that was read. You know, these are the fifth-step promises, and, you know, I certainly wanted these when I was on step one. You know, and um, and I like that they talk about, you know, in the rooms and in other rooms that, you know, our secrets will keep us sick, and that's the truth. And and also that prior to this, they talk about, they give us instructions on on to pick who we decide who's going to hear our story. You know, because there's some people, and this is just my experience, that are in, in OA and other 12-step programs, they aren't here to be recovered. They're just here because they're, somebody wants them to come here. You know, so I have to really be careful of who I pick to hear my story. And, um, and I liked what was already shared. You know, once I did this, you know, withholding nothing, you know, whoever I was sharing mine with was shaking their head and saying, yes, 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 I've done that too. So I really knew that I was not alone. And, and that the... That the, the the part here that is this is a life and death errand for sure you know because many times I came up to the to the fourth step but never finished and therefore back in the food and so once I did this because it says that the, you know the best reason I'm doing this because if I skip skip this step I may not overcome drinking or eating and that was my experience and so I did it and I love that I could you know look the world in the eye you know that um. I was delighted, you know, some people that read this really put the emphasis on withholding nothing. We are delighted, and I was delighted. You know, I could be alone at perfect peace and ease, and our fears fall from us. How very cool. And in this moment, that does happen. You know, so if I don't continue to do these things, I don't continue to get them. You know, I've experienced that, but I've also not experienced that when I'm keeping secrets. So um, what a way to live today, one day at a time, that I don't have to be in my disease and that with, with the power greater than myself, I can walk hand in hand. You know, we could walk hand in hand and be on this broad highway. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Valerie B., it's your turn. And Deb W., you'll be next. Good morning. This is Valerie B. from Maryland. And uh, I, I was particularly moved by this passage because I, I remember I, I've, I've, done, I've done many fourth steps since I've been in the program. And um, I kind of wish that we could just do one and just get it all out. No, I, mean, I wish I could, but it, it, it hasn't worked that way for me. I did my first fourth step. Uh, in the program as absolutely as thoroughly as I could. And I remember going through, like, sharing stuff that, that I didn't want to share. But what happened was, was that it relieved me of such a burden of guilt and shame that I had carried since I was a teenager. And 
I, I mean, no amount of therapy or, you know, um, no amount of therapy or, you know, antidepressants could relieve me of that. And it was gone. And, you know, I felt it and my sponsor felt it as, as we, sh- and it was, it was truly miraculous. And, um, and I wish I could say, now I, I don't know what other people's experiences, but from, and it really, it freed me. It was amazing. But like, even as I sit here today, as we're reading this, I'm realizing that there are some more things that I need to, to, to clean out and, and confess because, you know, I, I've, you know, I've lived, I think I've lived about three quarters of my adult life, you know, and I, I honestly wish you could, you know, it does go away. And, and for me, it's, it's, I, I, I know I need to do it again. I need to keep doing it because things keep being revealed to me. But um, I, by the grace of God, I, I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I loved the way my sponsor worked with me where she said it was, you know, easy, harder, um, difficult. And then we had one, excuse my French, but it was like no way in hell I could deal with this person. And another time when I did my, I did a fourth step, it was like God made a way where that person, it was just, we talked and it was amazing. And I ended up working with that person before anybody else because it wasn't, I wasn't doing it by myself, you know, um, and, and I could look the world in the eye and wake up and feel less fear and less anxiety, no more Xanax, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible, um, you know, like Larry said, it, you know, you're vomiting stuff up, but oh my God, you feel so much better after it's over, and with that I pass, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Valerie B. and Deb W., it's your turn. Good morning. It's Deb W. Recovered in Oklahoma. <clears throat> Wanted to focus on we pocket our pride and go to it. And it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Uh, once we have taken this step, withholding nothing. Okay, so illuminating, I have this little note that says shining a light on every twist of character and so and every dark cranny of the past. And so that to me meant anything that floated up, uh, because you know, this is a spiritual deal and we you know, we do pray before we go into it. Anything that floats up that I um had resentments about or fears about uh went on my list and we talked about it, you know, we talked about it. And I had a sponsor, thank God, that listened um, thoroughly and would just comment, you know, or just throw a word or two that caused me to think and that caused more to come up uh, to surface. And so, yeah, do I, some don't believe in looking back at every dark cranny of the past, but the big book says it right here. You know, every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. And so if God brings it to my mind, it, it I believe it's something that should be looked at. And so, uh, yeah, do we spend a year on it? Heck no. Do we spend six mo- months on it? Probably not. But we do do a, a thorough inventory uh, of our behaviors and of our past. And, uh, you know, 
it, and and the, what we can know that later on when we do the 10 step uh daily 10 step or you know whenever things come up that you know we there may be other things that surface that didn't get handled before but the effort of doing it the first time is uh really significant and with that I pass Thank you, Deb W. Okay, well, the uh, floor is open for sharing. Who would like to share? Nessa R. Anyone else? Melissa C. Sorry, I missed that. Somebody C. Melissa C. Melissa, sorry, Melissa. Anyone else? Linda D. Okay. It's a quiet morning. Okay, let's start. Cynthia? Cynthia C. Cynthia C. Anyone else? Okay, we'll start with Nessa R, followed by Melissa C. Hi, um, good morning, vision for you. My name is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Well, I um, I looked forward to my step five, um, but I might say when I went, I I didn't uh, pocket my pride. And the reason why I was so looking forward to it was because I was so sure that my sponsor would agree with me that I was right, that I was hard done by, that I had every reason to be angry and to be resentful and to feel the way I felt, Um, that I had no part in anything that happened to me and that I was a victim. And, uh, And I looked forward to that. Um, but, you know, of course that is, um, you know, um, uh, um, I was full of pride and full of self-righteousness and of course what transpired was exactly the opposite. You know, my, um, my sponsor pointed out, um, in, in many areas where it had eluded me, how I had been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and fearful. You know, especially the, the, the selfishness and the dishonesty were, were so um, eye-opening for me that by the time uh, we finished the step five, I, I was actually delighted um, because for the first time in my life, I didn't feel like a victim. And, you know, it's, it's a paradox, right? Like, you know, I'm told that, that I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful, that I'm full of character defects, and yet... I feel that for the first time in my life, I have something to work with, you know, because the reason I felt like a victim is I was always trying to arrange my external circumstances to change the people around me, to change the situations around me in the false belief that once um, the external the externalities were taken care of, then my internal environment would be okay. And what I found in that step five was something totally different, totally opposite. That by taking care of 
you know, my internal environment, everything around me would be okay. Not necessarily that everything around me or everyone around me would change, but because it hasn't really, but that it would be okay and I would be okay with it. And I just found this step five so empowering. I mean, this whole inventory process as a whole, it is really empowering because for the first time um, in decades ever, really, in my whole entire life, I, I have um, some influence over what happens because I, by working the steps, I can undergo a transformation where I, all these character defects are, can be lifted and I can um, um, have a new attitude and outlook, a new, a new perspective that allows me to live happy, joyous, and free. And, you know, I went in expecting one thing and I came out a different way, but I came out with so much more and in a much better state than I went in. And I was so grateful for this process. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Nessa R. Melissa C., it's your turn. And Melinda D., you'll be next. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I love this part because... um, it was explained to me that these are the six-step promises. And, like, I, I was only familiar that they were nine-step promises. But um, th- there were some things that were promised here. And, um, you know, and so I just love this. It's like if I withhold nothing, um, I can be delighted. You know, I can look the world in the eye um, and to be alone at perfect peace and ease. And, you know, I thought that um, my ability to look the world in the eye or to have that peace and ease would come um, in a thin body. Like, that's what I thought, okay, if I were thin, then I could, like, walk in any room. um, I could feel, you know, comfortable, peaceful. I can look um, anybody in the eye. But that was not my experience, you know. Um, And our fears fall from us. Um, You know, being thin was no guarantee that I had no fear. Um, but when I did this step, my fears began to fall and, um, and I felt near to my creator, you know, no body, no getting in a smaller size never made me feel nearer to God. You know, um, at this point, like we've had certain spiritual beliefs. We now have a spiritual experience. Um, you know, I really didn't have a lot of spiritual belief at this point. What I had was I had hope. You know, and and I, I've shared that before, that that was like where I began, you know, like, okay, I have some hope, so I'm going to do this. But really, when I gave my, you know, gave my inventory over to a recovered person who really um, listened and, and, and was on there understanding this with life or death, um, I had a spiritual experience. I mean, I walked out of that. Um, we were in a church. I walked out of the church and I felt everything looked different. The trees looked different. I felt like I was on drugs. I felt buzzed. Um, and, um, you know, and, and it was just an incredible, I just love all these promises um, and that they've really come true. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Melinda D., it's your turn. And Cynthia C., you'll be next. Hi, this is Linda D. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, Linda. Thanks, you can. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to share an experience about step five. And, um, you know, when I thought 
when I did mine, and I've done it over the years in various forms, um, sharing what I thought my defects were with another person, uh, but not in the way that um, it talks about in the in the book. But I, I really thought, you know, of course we go through our, we, 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 we crawl through the dust of our own, you know, basements uh, and we, and, and, and we come up and we think, oh boy, I'm dirty. You know, who's going to, who's going to be able to hear this? And, and that's how I felt, uh, you know, and I didn't murder anybody or and even if I had, that would be okay and okay, but it would be something I could talk to someone about in this program, which sounds crazy, but it's really true. And many have. But what I really want to get to is that I thought I was terminally unique in my character defects. Um, this is a form of narcissism. I didn't think of myself as a narcissist because I didn't think, oh, I'm the greatest. I thought, oh, I'm awful. But it's kind of reverse narcissism. It's like, I'm so awful. I'm so unique. I am not human. Well, when I came up from the from the, from the dungeons and, and brought it out to light, I was surprised to find out that it wasn't real. It wasn't very unique at all. In fact, it was um, pretty common stuff. So um, that's a different take on uh, on being special. You know, I realized that I wasn't so special in my badness. And um, it was really important for me to know that because, uh, you know, again, when my sponsor said, you know, I've got that too, uh, it, it relieved me of all that guilt and shame didn't really me of all of it. I still get it daily, but it doesn't last long because I work my tenth. And I think the other thing I want to say is that it's important to keep working the fifth when I'm working the tenth because I'm busy and I'm tempted to do my spot checks and then uh, get busy or tired and not, not call someone else. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, I don't need to call someone else anymore. I go to God. And that's an interesting idea for me. And um, I'd like to be able to do that, I think. But I do think that I get mo- a whole lot out of calling someone with my tense, which is really the fifth step, uh, and hearing and, and, and making that share. Solitary self-appraisal is not enough. So I'm just grateful for this program. I thank you all for being here. God bless. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And Cynthia C., it's your turn. Hi, good morning. Thank you very much. Um, Cynthia C. from the Boston area. Um, After having a 20-year relapse, um, I was really excited to work the steps, like dying. I was desperate to work the steps because I knew that I would be right back there in the food and I know that my, you know, that one bite can lead to another 20 years or more of being in the food and being miserable and just always, always being miserable. Even under the joy, I was miserable because um, I always felt trapped and imprisoned by the food. Um, and, uh, you know, and the sponsor who I got, I was sort of surprised. I, I don't know, not surprised. I have a lovely sponsor and... Um, you know, and her background was very different than mine. She had maybe a more sheltered background, certainly, than I did. Um, and I was wondering, would I be uncomfortable sharing? I mean, I thought about it. Am I going to be uncomfortable sharing sort of my background and the way I handled my life, which is very different than the way she handled it? And honestly, I have to say, she was amazing. Like, it was an amazing, it was, you know, it was a, a God-given experience. It was meant to be. 
Um, and she was kind and compassionate. And even though she may not have had the exact same experiences, she understood what was behind my actions. Like she related um, and was accepting. And she, she really, because, because the search for acceptance and is, is common. Um, and my character defects that came up are, are common. You're right. I'm not terminally unique. I mean, for me, it was really, really helpful to really look in the fourth step at what my pattern was of character defects and to see that for me, one of my biggest character defects was people pleasing. And to, and I wouldn't really think people pleasing would be such a terrible character defect, except that it was this unbelievable, corrosive, deep, seated like vein in my life that ruined so many things and harmed so many people in ways I hadn't imagined. And really doing the fifth step with somebody else really helped me to look at my character defects and it, and it alleviated so much of the shame and the burden and to be able to say, oh, wow, like have somebody help me see this is the pattern in my life. And I no longer have to live that way. I no longer have to live with that shame and those character defects. And, you know, even though I'm in steps nine and living in steps 10, 11, and 12, you know, we're going back and we're looking at, you know, I feel like the character defects that I'm having a harder time letting go of. And, you know, we're working, we're using a, another uh, book that focuses simply on the step six and seven. And for me, that's really good to work with that same person to go back and look at those character defects and continue to work on letting them go. Um, and no longer do I have to do this alone. I am no longer alone. Um, and I just, I agree with everybody else that this is an amazing program and a gift to work with somebody special who can help me through this. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. And thank you, Cynthia C. For those who joined us later, we're on page 75, the first paragraph, When We Decide, through two paragraphs ending with The Spirit of the Universe, and we're commenting on both. Who else would like to share? Lisa D. from Boston. Madam. Lisa D. Okay, I'll tell you who I heard. I heard Lisa B. Katie G. Kim G. Matt M and Sue G. Let's go with that lineup and we'll see how we do for time. So Lisa B, you'll start us off, followed by Katie G. Good morning. This is Lisa B. Can you hear me okay? I can, thank you. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. This is Lisa B, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I wanted to focus on we pocket our pride and go to it illuminating every twist of character. So, um, you know, I referred to step five in the AA 12 and 12, and it does tell me what some of the great gains that I'll make um, with this step five. It says more realism and therefore more honesty about myself are the great gains. And when I look up that word realism, the attitude or practice of accepting a situation as it is, and then it also says some of the synonyms are practical, practicality, common sense. Oh, my goodness. I never had any of those things. And the other thing that jumps out for me in this reading uh, that I can relate to are the dark crannies of my past. When I look at step five in the AA 12 and 12, it says anger and hurt pride 
might be the smokescreen under which we were hiding some of our defects while we blamed others, and I could also say other circumstances or situations for them. Possibly, too, we were still handicapped by many liabilities, great and small, I never knew I had. And this is what I experience daily in doing 10 steps with taking the fifth step part of the 10 step, going to other recovered compulsive overeaters. Sometimes it's very hard to hear um, the truth. You know, I don't like to hear it. Um, Sometimes it's painful. I really like to hold on to these illusions like, um, like sweaters and garments, you know, that I keep over me. I think that I need them to help me go through life, but they block me off from my higher power. It actually um, starts to starve me, you know, from nutrition and and sunshine and just um, realism. I need to have reality. I need to be grounded, and I need to have that closeness with my higher power. And, um, you know, I find going through these steps all the while being entirely abstinent that God removes from me the need to hold on to these things. Even going through the steps, not always understanding them, not even always being totally willing to go through them, but doing them anyways, taking the action, it's such a program of action that when I start to move my feet, you know, move my body, doing these steps with my guide, God gives me the gift of willingness to let go of them and see that I don't need to hold on to these anymore. And that's why the promise of this, that uh, the nearness of my creator These things, um, you know, they kept me going. They sustained me. They kept me blind. They kept me going and causing a lot of pain for myself and others. But they did begin to fall off of me, sharing it with another and listening to her feedback. And I'll just share one thing that came out for me in my fifth step. I was so angry and resentful that my favorite brother had died. And um, one of the things that my sponsor shared with me on a fifth step was, but you still have a living brother and a living sister and you don't have anything to do with them. And I was so angry at first. I thought, how dare she say that to me? That's pride, you know. How could she say that? Doesn't she know I've hurt so much? But it was the truth. And, you know, the truth, even though I get angry at first, it will always set me free. And that put me on a path that, like in this big book, tells me I'm really going somewhere. I need this truth and I need the work of these steps. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Katie G., it's your turn. And Kim G., you'll be next. Hi, Lynn. May I be heard? You can. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, starting my timer in Boston. Um, Yeah, so we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Holy smokes. So, I mean, what I find today, living as a recovered woman, like, when I get blocked, even just a little, I can't, excuse me, I can't tolerate the discomfort that comes because what happens is I'm immediately uncomfortable in my skin. And that's who I was for, you know, you know, decades of my life is uncomfortable in my skin. And what has happened over the years of doing fist steps, you know, in the beginning, a majority of my fist step was on my mom, you know, and it has shifted over time. And, um, you know, I love that idea of, like, we get these spiritual truths that are very painful to digest. Like, well, mom abandoned me. Well, you know what? You don't get to punish her anymore. 
or, you know, um, the sex conduct. Oh, my gosh. You know what? You don't get to use people as Kleenexes anymore because that's what you did. You use people as Kleenexes to make you feel better. And they actually are human beings. And they have feelings too, Katie. And you're a human being, but you don't get to be a victim anymore. Um, and it's life and death. Like, the, And this is not a confession of all the, um, the eating that I did. For me, so much. Katie G, we lost you. Hello, it's me again. My timer's still going. Can you hear me? We can. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> this technology guy hates me. Um, and so what happens is when I'm going through this, I settle into my skin and I can look the world in the eye. And, you know, I can so relate to another speaker talking about getting a spiritual experience um, from uncovering, discovering, and this piece of discarding, you know, who I am. And I get that on my 10 steps. I, I do my 10 steps. And at some point, either on my 10th or looking at my 11th, I call you guys and I say, what are your spiritual considerations for me? What am I missing? And it can be very uncomfortable. It can be very uncomfortable for people to say, well, Katie, yeah, you've got a really busy work environment going on right now, but what are you going to learn? And I'm like, what am I going to learn? I'm going to learn that this is an unhealthy environment and I need to be in a spiritual location, right? Like I need, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual KDG now, you know, and, um, and that's not true. The truth is I live in a world where <clears throat> there are many people who like me are spiritually sick and my, my blockages from God come because I have abnormal ways of looking at things even today. And thank you, God, there is a direct solution that comes um, through uncovering, discovering, and discarding with other people, and that that brings me right to God. And um, I am so blessed by this process and the step work. And um, if you're not doing it, again, keep showing up because um, those secrets, they kill me, life and death. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Kim G., it's your turn, followed by Matt M., Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovery compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Okay, guys, don't miss out on these fifth step promises. Oh, my goodness. So the two that really hit me is the, I could look the world in the eye. Because, you see, we, we studied about that double life a couple of pages ago. And that was my existence. Because I, I learned as a child, if I stay quiet and become what you want me to be, then maybe you won't leave me. So I not only had a double life, I had a triple life, a quadruple life. So I couldn't pay attention to you. I never looked anyone in the eye. I didn't even realize it because I was trying to remember what lies did I tell you, who was I supposed to be in front of you, preparing what I wanted to say so that you would be impressed by me, you would like me, and maybe just wouldn't hate me. So how could I look anyone in the eye? When I did this process and I realized that being Kim was enough, then suddenly I could pay attention to you and I could look you in the eye. And I could become a part of that broad highway. Broad highway is capitalized. This is, this is, this is the, the unity of, of the human race. I suddenly felt a part of Overeaters Anonymous. I felt a part of my family. I felt a part of my friends. I felt a part of because all those things that I was using to distance me from God and the people around me were starting to dissipate. And one of the things I had the girls that I, girls, the, the people that I work with, do when they have experienced these success promises is call newcomers, share the good news, share that experience. When you share an experience, it gets stronger. 
So I, I tell them, share the fact that you put the food down, you've been abstinent the whole time, that it's been three, four weeks, and you're already going through your fifth step. But you did your fourth step in maybe seven to ten days. You didn't sit and wallow and all that. And that according to the big book and the way that I bring my sponsees through, you do five through eight all in one day. There is freedom. We need to race toward that freedom. And I just want to end with this. These fifth step promises are wonderful. But I got to tell you, you just don't get them when you, when you give your fifth step. Every time I take a fifth step, I get to re-experience these promises. I am so grateful that I take one to two fifth steps on average a month. And that's not a way of bragging, but that's just a way of telling you, if you are bringing people through these steps, you get to experience these fifth steps on the other side. Because every time I take them, I feel lighter. I feel part of that broad highway. I can look people more in the eye. All those promises come true as a sponsor. So not only get through these steps, experience these fifth step promises when you give your fifth step, but get on the other side, start working with people, start taking fifth steps, and start watching other people wake up. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Sue G. Hello, can you hear me, Lynn? Yes, thank you. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from Wholesome Reader from New Jersey. Yeah, I just want to share, like, doing a fifth step is, is actually getting rid of your pride, pocketing your pride and going to it. Yeah, I love the the fact that I had I had to tell all my secrets to somebody else. Like, oh, my God, who don't want to do that? You know, I had to tell my, the, the most horrible parts of me, the things that I've done in my life to somebody else. And I didn't think I want to do that, but I've done it before, and I'm, I'm working on a, a fourth step right now, which is going to be another fifth step soon. I have a couple of days. I'm finishing it in a couple of days. I get my sponsor a deadline for myself because I could, I could sit there and, like, drag it out, and dragging it out is going to make me go closer and closer to going back into the food. I don't need to drag it out. And um, I, I love what I said. Somebody said on, when they're doing their sex farms how they use people like Kleenex. I use some of I use my friends like Kleenex. I used to t- use them up and throw them away. I take whatever I can get from them, money, whatever I can get from them, and toss them away. I, I wouldn't call them. I would take like some stuff from them, and I wouldn't call them for a month. You know, that's the kind of person I was. You know, and I don't really agree when someone says they go to God with their fifth step, so they go to steps with God. You need somebody else to do this with you. This is not, this is a wee program. You can't do it by yourself. You know, so I just don't understand that concept. It's nice to have a connection with your higher power, but we need each other to work this, work the steps. We can't do it by ourselves. To me, that's just like doing it by yourself without using, just reading the big book and like doing, using it as a textbook and just doing the work by yourself. I, I really don't understand that concept. But uh, for me, I have to have a connection with my sponsor and be able to do this, to, to do this work. And for me, I do talk to my sponsor daily. Not everybody does that, but I do. And it's good for me to have that content. I have that response. I have that accountability for myself. I'm grateful I have it. And I'm grateful I'm asking it today. It's going to be three weeks this week, and I'm grateful that I'm doing it one day at a time, which I don't have. Thank you, Matt M. And Sue G., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Sue G. from Michigan, recovered <clears throat> by the grace of God. Um, I'm glad the promises were brought up because that's what I was going to talk about. These are the five, the fifth step promises. And, um, you know, it says that our fears fall away from us, fall from us. We begin to bring, feel the nearness of our creator. We may have a certain spiritual belief, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. And I remember my sponsor asking me, is this how you feel? 
Do you feel the promises now that you've given away? And and if not, um, I have my sponsees dig a little deeper in their fourth step. Um, it's, um, it's like after we do a fifth step, you know, we go home and we have spent an hour looking over what we've done and have we left anything out. I think that's part of the digging a little deeper. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because um, it's not in the big book that, you know, to dig a little deeper if you haven't, if you don't feel these promises. Every time we have promises, if we don't sense them, if we don't feel them at all, something's missing. And usually it's a spiritual. We're holding something back. Something is still blocking us from God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sue G. We have time for one more three-minute share. Who would like that spot? Jane L. Okay. Sorry, I didn't catch your first name. Excuse me. Hold on. Jean L. Jean. Okay, Jean, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Uh, Good morning, everyone, and um, I'm so happy to be here with you today, especially for this paragraph, the fifth step. Promises. First of all, I'll be eternally grateful to Joanne L. from Rhode Island um, for telling me about this program, uh, the vision for you. But uh, today I've awakened when I read that paragraph with the fifth step promises. Uh, I can't believe life could be like that, but I could see it's a big, big promise to me because uh, all, all my defects, um, character defects, uh, have hope. Uh, and I know why I've been blocked just by reading that one paragraph. I can't believe how wonderful I feel and how wonderful it is to that you are all here for each other. Um, and I'm afraid I'm going to be forgetting what I wanted to say so much. <laughs> and um, just just these promises, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Now I know why everyone says, my life has changed, you know, I'm so happy and life is different and everything's gone, all the character defects are going away. Oh, here's a, here's a thought I had. I've been having trouble. What do I write about? What do I write about? And now it's come to me. Start with your character defects. Start writing about that and let it pour out. I just read recently, thinking, um, writing is your fingers doing the thinking. I kind of thought that was nice. Um, so anyway, so jumping around here, but I am very happy, and I thank you all for being part of the program here. God bless you all, and um, with that, I'll say goodbye. And thank you, Jean L. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Tuesday, Marietta P., Rebecca B., Rachel W., Lisa H., and Deb W., Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. This share ID for today, Tuesday, July 25th, is 10196. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.